You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I know I say that like every week, but it's so true. I get so excited when I have a guest and I get to have amazing conversations with amazing individuals. And today's guest is someone who I have been following for quite some time, Um, found her first on TikTok and was very just inspired and empowered by everything she was doing and talking about. Um, And so today I have Brittany here um, and Brittany and I are going to talk about a lot of things, (laughs) a lot of different things, body image, um, recovery, um, navigating social media, you name it we'll probably talk about it. If we don't, then one of us probably has talked about it in some capacity (laughs) on um, one of our social medias. So welcome, Brittany. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so stoked to be here. I love your content so much. It's so like, it's one of the most beautiful things to be able to just like see all the connections that come along with social media and just like I, I, one of my favorite parts about social media is just like, um, everyone gets a chance to like tell their story, you know, and it can impact somebody out there, which is a really beautiful thing, but hi everyone. I am Brittany Lancaster. Um, I am a content creator who I got my start on TikTok about like two and a half years ago. Um, I started posting what eat a days in recovery from two different eating disorders. And that's kind of what, um, blew up on TikTok and where I kind of got my start. And I had never had anything go viral before that. And so it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, wow, this is clearly impactful for some people. And maybe I should share my story and put it out there. And um, people really resonated with it. And so I've been doing it ever since. I also, you know, make content on Instagram, but TikTok is where it really started, um, especially during the beginning of the pandemic because everyone was, didn't have anything to do, but go on TikTok, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone was locked at home. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I continue to talk a lot about eating disorder recovery. I talk a lot about body confidence. I talk a lot about, um, just like self-acceptance and self-love, um, and just finding like your joy and your confidence and how, you know, it doesn't really take away from, anybody else's joy and confidence it's your own joy and confidence so that's a little bit about me yeah (laughs) yeah I love that and I relate so much and agree so much to the beauty of social media and being able to connect with all of these amazing individuals um who you have something in common with who you can feel like oh I relate to that 
Um, cause for me growing up, like I never had that. I felt like social media wasn't what it is now, but I feel like if I would have had that community or that space growing up in high school, like I think things would have been very different for me, um, to have that relatability and to have those people that you're like, oh, I see myself in them or I relate so much to them, which I think is what makes what you do and the content you create so beautiful is that it does provide that safe space for people to heal, to learn about themselves, to navigate recovery, um, in a way that doesn't feel so lonely because we both know recovery can be very lonely and it can feel very scary. And so having those spaces is very, very important. So I'm very thankful for the space you've created and continue to create. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm sure you get comments like this too, but I I will sometimes get comments that are like, oh, you're my um, comfort creator, you know, like it's always comfortable when I come to your page. And I think that's kind of what you're saying as well. Like there's beauty and being able to like see yourself in somebody else and feel like safe and comfortable when you come to somebody's page and and you know, it's not going to trigger you or make you have like self-doubt thoughts or comparison thoughts. Like it's just a comfortable, safe place. And I remember even when I started, um, posting on TikTok, like two and a half years ago, something that I made sure to say from the beginning, which why I'm so excited to be on your podcast is because I made sure to say like from the beginning, like, Hey, I am not a professional. I just went through this, you know, whereas you're an actual, you know, professional therapist that are, Mm -hmm. that's helping people through this. And, um, I, you know, I got help professionally, but like, I um, made sure to say that from the get-go that, hey, I'm just sharing my story. I'm sharing my experiences. I'm sharing my truth. I hope that you're able to like resonate with it and maybe something, maybe a tip will help you or maybe you will seek help after seeing my videos. But I just tried to make sure that that was clear because I never wanted to like mislead people by making them Mm -hmm. think that I was like, you know, a registered professional on all this stuff. So Yeah. And I relate to that because that's how my platform started. I wasn't, I am a recent professional, (laughs) um, and recently got my master's and recently start like started in the therapy field. But before that it was the same. It was like me just sharing, this is what I've experienced. This is how I got through this. You know, if this works for you, amazing. If it doesn't, don't blame yourself for it. Don't look at yourself as a failure. Um, I think that's huge in the space you're creating too. It's like, this is what works for me. And just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean that you're failing or that there's something wrong with you. Um, just means that maybe there's another technique out there that works better for, for that person. And I think that's a very comforting, a comforting space to be in, to not feel like, okay, this is what she's doing to recover. Um, and I can try that and it's not working. So maybe I'm not meant to start my recovery. And I think reminding people of no, 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 that's not, that that's not how it has to be. There's a lot of different ways to navigate recovery and recovery is not linear. You know, that, you know, it's a lot of ups and downs and flips and (laughs) it's really all over the place. Um, but I think having that space where people can go, even when recovery feels hard to feel some sort of safety, um, or comfort is so important just in the recovery process in general. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. What, what do you feel has been like your experience going from somebody who personally went through that and then becoming a professional in the field? Like what do you see? Do you see like the whole topic differently now? Do you feel like now that you're a professional or not Um, really? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I see a huge difference. I think the biggest difference is really like boundaries between like now there's a lot more, I, I have to be a lot more careful, like ethically in terms of like DMs, people who DM me and are seeking advice. Like now I'm giving advice as a therapist and instead of just a person online. Um, so I feel like that's been the biggest difference is like having disclaimers and having that boundary of like, if, if you are a client of mine and you follow me on social media, just know there is, you know, like chances of confidentiality being broken or, you know, those sort of things, um, I feel like is the biggest difference, but in terms of the conversation I'm having, I don't feel like it's much different. I mean, my knowledge is a lot broader now, and I know a lot more therapeutic practices, um, like cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral, like all of those things. Um, I feel like now are in the back of my mind when I talk about things compared to before, I didn't really know much about those things. So I would say that's probably the biggest difference. Um, but my community is very respectful and they're, you know, they're like, we're here always. And if you can share something, please do. If you can't, then that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun transition, um, small transition, but it's been a fun one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, there's more like pressure involved, like since having that professional part of it, or it's just still Um, journey and sharing, like how everything's gone. I feel like it's a good, I feel like I found a good balance between like, this is what I've experienced and this is what has worked for me personally and versus this is a recommendation that I have therapeutic wise, um, or like these are therapeutic resources or stuff like that. Um, I don't feel like the pressure is, has increased, um, the only pressure would be from like other therapists who don't think that therapists should be online or that don't think that therapists should be self-disclosing at all, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I think that's kind of an outdated view of therapy. Um, therapists have lives outside of (laughs) being therapists and there's a lot of therapists active on social media who, who have successful practices because of social media. So I would say that's really the only pressure is people being like, are you oversharing? Are you sharing too much? Um, and it's like, I don't think so. <laughs> and we'll cross that bridge when I get it, when, when I get there, if that happens to be, be the case, but right now, not really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like something for me personally, kind of what you're mentioning earlier of like, you're so happy that social media is the way it is now, because maybe when we were in high school, it would have been different for us. Mm -hmm. I feel that with an element of therapy as well, not just like body confidence and eating disorder recovery. Like I do feel that with therapy, like therapy is almost, um, 
like a cool thing to do nowadays. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, of course I go to therapy. You know, it's like the it thing, which is wonderful. Like what yeah. an it thing to have be like popping off kind of, you know? And I mean, I even started therapy at the beginning of this year and I like a big part of it was like, okay, everyone keeps talking about how amazing therapy is. I got to try this out, you know? <laughs> and um because, you know, I just kept hearing about it and it's just, it's really amazing no matter what you're kind of getting help with within therapy. I know there's so many different avenues you can go down with a therapist um, and that you can specialize within therapy. But yeah, that's another element of social media that I'm so glad exists nowadays, just normalizing, um, prioritizing your mental health and taking care of your mental health. And I just think it's awesome. I love being a part of this like trend. So yeah. Yeah. And it's so nice that you can like that. There are so many therapists who are online that are providing like free resources and free support. I think that is so important. And especially like here in the U S like access to therapy is not easy for everyone. Um, it's not affordable for everyone. And so to be able to have a space like TikTok or just social media in general and Instagram, like where therapists can share, like here, here's a piece of, um, here's an intervention that maybe I would share with a ther- with a client that I'm going to share with you all, um, for free because I want to, and I want to see if it's helpful for people. Like, I think that's a really, a really powerful, place and and part of social media is to be able to like get those resources and make those connections um online especially for people who are just trying to get like that support for now and maybe they can't afford therapy regularly um not saying that social media is a replacement for therapy because it's not but i think it can be a good like bridge can bridge the two um And I think it can be a really good place for people who are still finding that therapy therapist or, you know, saving up for therapy or whatever it may be. So, um, kind of going off of that, what was your experience like in terms of mental health and navigating all of that when you started to go viral on TikTok? Like you're in, you were in this place where you were recovering or recovered, um, and you're putting yourself out there and sharing what you're eating in a day and being very vulnerable online. Um, so I'm curious, like how you navigated that space. Yeah, it was, um, it was just like such a crazy experience when it all first happened. You know, I, I still remember the first video that ever went viral. I was um, a senior in college at the time and I was a part of a sorority in college and we had our winter formal landed on the exact same day as me being three and a half years in recovery from both of my eating disorders. And um, I had just downloaded TikTok a few weeks before this. It was not really a thing yet because the pandemic kind of hit about a month after this. And um, I posted this video of me dancing to the Dougie on my college apartment balcony and just wrote, put a little text bubble saying like, today marks three and a half years of eating disorder recovery. 
and the video blew up like it went so viral and then that's when I started posting what eat in a days and the funniest thing is I posted a few what eat in a days at the beginning where it was just kind of like what I ate with um, music over it and different texts but what really really engaged people and kind of popped off was the vlog style where I'm walking through the day and being like welcome to a what eat a day and recovery from two eating disorders for breakfast you know that's mm. when um it really hit me like wow TikTok is a platform that you talk to your camera on you know and and mm. people want they follow you because they want to hear your voice you know like they feel heard and seen through you and um yeah I mean my mental health through it all there was definitely a lot of ups and downs. I think it happened so fast that I was kind of even trying to wrap my head around, like, what am I doing? Like, am I, am I, have I been through enough to really like feel comfortable talking about all this stuff? Like there's a lot of, I felt like a lot of weight to the platform. You know, I felt like, oh my goodness, these people are relying on me to help them uh, love their bodies, you know, And, and I don't take that lightly. And so yeah, I think that was the biggest thing. But what I tried to remember whenever I would get a little in my head about it is I would be like, you know what, the best you can do today is still going to help somebody like, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, I think that's what really helped me. Of course, there's times also when I would struggle when there would be like, not the nicest comments, or, um, you know, people would make like, not very nice videos, you know, different things like that, that you struggle with. But I just tried to remind myself at the end of the day, the good outweighs the bad. And it's like, it's, you're helping more people than the few comments that are negative or the few comments that don't agree with what you post. And that even went along with, with my what eat in a day videos, you know, they were a little controversial, like, you know, because kind of how you were saying, um, earlier, like, you know, with what eat in a days, there is a lot of mixed messaging with them. A lot of people aren't big fans of what eat in a day videos because totally understandable. A lot of them can be super triggering, super restrictive, super, just not the greatest thing for young impressionable people to see of how to nourish your body. And my what eat in a days, like I don't quote unquote, like cancel out any food group. You know, I'm an intuitive eater. I believe in listening to your body. I believe in like listening to what your body wants. And that's one of the eating disorders that I dealt with was binge eating disorder. And so intuitive eating helped me stop binging because I would actually honor my body and give it what it was craving. And so, yeah, I mean, that's also a part of it too, was when I started posting what eating days, that's when some comments really came in. So yeah. yeah. And I'm curious to hear like, how, how did you find yourself? Like, cause I'm sure getting comments like, oh, these, you know, the, what I eat in a days can be toxic or triggering. Um, how did you find yourself like navigating through those negative thoughts? Cause I'm sure, like you said, they impacted you. You probably started to like second guess yourself whenever you wanted to do what I eat in the day video. Um, how did you find yourself kind of navigating through that? Was it just like reminding yourself of why you started them? Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing that helped me continue posting what eat in a days, even when I would see comments or videos about them, um, was the comments 
I, I would get a lot of comments and I still do that. Like I watched this and it helped me eat today. Like when I see a comment like that, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's why I'm pressing post right now because I'm going to post this. And yes, some people may not like it. Some people may love it, but like there are going to people who literally are going to watch this video while they nourish their bodies and it's going to help them through it because kind of what you're mentioning earlier eating disorders can be very very lonely you know and recovery can be very lonely and so to have somebody that you feel like is your comfort and that you can open your phone up and you can watch this video and it will help you eat your meal for the day or meals you know throughout the day whatever it is that you need to overcome today like being able to help somebody with that, it's just, there's no words you can express, you know, and especially somebody who has been through eating disorders, I, I know what that feels like. And so that's really what would continue to keep my spirits high and continue to post. So. Yeah. And I think like, that's the biggest, like from my perspective, that is the biggest difference between like your, what I eat in the day and some of the other more like toxic, restrictive, what I eat in a day. It's like yours is just, this is what I eat. And it's kind of walking people through like your intuitive eating process and what intuitive eating can look like compared to some of the other ones that are more restrictive and more toxic that are like, this is what I eat to look the way that I look, or this is what I eat to lose the weight that I've lost or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that like, for me, that seems to be like the biggest difference in terms of what makes yours feel much like healthier in terms of mental, mentally healthier and emotionally healthier compared to the other ones that tend to feel a little bit more like unhealthy and, and more like toxic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I also think like, um, something I decided to do about a year ago was the first like year, year and a half that I posted what eating a days, I would always title them like what eating a day in recovery from two eating disorders or what eating a day in recovery from an eating disorder. And about a year ago, something that I was really struggling with was feeling like, oh my goodness, my whole identity is just talking about my past, mm -hmm. you know, like everything that I talk about on social media is the person I used to be is the things I used to struggle with is like the woman I used to be, you know, like, and I had a really hard time being in the now and like looking forward to the future because everything I was talking about was in my past. Mm -hmm. And so I renamed them. I even made like a post about it because I wanted to make sure it was, you know, everyone understood. And it wasn't just like the next day, they're a different title, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now when I post them, I just say, uh, what eat in a day, welcome to a what eat in a day that won't make you feel like shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just a clear way of saying, Hey, this is what I eat. This is what my body was craving today. But like, if you don't want to, if, if this doesn't look, you know, fun for you, no worries, you know, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was really struggling for a long time. Like, what should I name this? Because should, should I just say what eat today? Like, you know, yeah. Um, but adding that, like, won't make you feel like shit. I kind of felt like summed up my message a little bit and what I hope uh, my what eating days do for people, you know, and mm -hmm. provide for people. So that's a good point. I forgot to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what I, and when you say won't make you feel like shit in, in terms of like shit about yourself mentally or emotionally, like not comparing yourself 
not necessarily foods that won't make you feel like shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. That's what I assumed, but just for any listeners who are confused, um, won't make you feel like shit as an individual <laughs> exactly, or won't make you compare yourself or won't make you feel bad about what you're choosing to eat, um, compared to what Brittany's choosing to eat. So I think that, yeah, I think that's a really like that comparison I think is for me, very clear. Like it's because I'll be honest, like for me, I used to be that person that was like, Oh, here's another, what I eat in a day. And it was like, I roll, I don't want to see this. Like I was very triggered by them, but then I feel like, but I think that was mostly because the ones that I were seeing were very like toxic and restrictive. Um, because you don't see a lot of like what I eat in a day, maybe it's more common now, but you definitely don't see a lot of what I eat in the days that aren't like that, that aren't like, this is what I eat to lose weight or to keep my weight off or to stay healthy or whatever. Um, but I think the, what I eat in the days that are just, this is me, I'm recovered. I'm an intuitive eater. This is what, what I'm eating today can be very refreshing, um, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that was something, you know, that I really had to consider when I first started posting them is, um, you know, is, is, are people going to enjoy this and is this going to help them? And once I started to see the response, that's kind of what I continued. And I think that's almost what, what made them kind of blow up is because it was unlike, what the internet had really ever seen before in a lot of what Ina days. And I mean, I used to be the same way when even before social media, I was also kind of a person who didn't enjoy watching what Ina days because Mm -hmm. they did this exact same thing to me. You know, they made me feel bad about my body or what I was consuming or what I was craving. You know, I would always ask myself, well, why, why can't my body like, you know, crave those foods that this person is craving or that this person's consuming And I think that almost motivated me to like post my what eating days because I wanted to put relatable content out there. And, you know, I've definitely learned in my social media journey that there's, you're never going to be able to please everybody. And coming from a people pleaser, that's something that's really hard for me mentally to accept. But um, I was even talking to a friend the other day who is also a content creator and she was telling me, she's like, yeah, my, my friend the other day told me like, you have to be okay that everyone is not going to be able to relate to you. Like you're not going to be relatable to every single person on this planet. Like it's impossible to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really has kept me going is remembering, like, I'm not going to be relatable to every single person. Not every single person is going to like me. Not every single person is going to enjoy my content. But that's okay because the community that I do have that finds me relatable and finds me helpful, like that's what I'm here for. And that's why I'm putting out content is to help them. So definitely. Yeah. 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 I think that's, even if you aren't a content creator, I think that that message really is, is important for everyone of like, you're not going to be able to please everyone. And as someone who also, I consider myself a recovered people pleaser, someone who literally spent most half of my life truly just trying to make other people happy. Um, before I was even online, it was really figuring out like, how can I navigate this intense feeling of like 
wanting to make everyone happy and feeling this imposter syndrome or these negative feelings when I don't make everyone happy. Um, and kind of relieving yourself of that expectation can be so empowering. Um, and such a good feeling of knowing, like, I don't have to please everyone. I'm not, that's literally impossible. I'm not ever going to be able to please everyone. Um, and I think it can remove a lot of unrealistic expectations that we tend to put on ourselves. Yeah, totally. Do you feel like you have any like go-to coping mechanisms of when you start to feel that people pleasing come on that you can be like, Hey, we're not doing that anymore. Or like, we're going to redirect our energy this way. Like what kind of helps you when you're feeling that? I feel like it's most self, mostly self-talk. Um, so it's when I start to feel like if I get like, um, constructive criticism from someone, even like in the work environment or like when I was in doing my master's and I would get like constructive criticism, I would find myself automatically like thinking, oh my gosh, I upset them or they're, they are, I'm letting them down because I didn't do this correctly or I didn't do this good enough the first time. Um, and I found that really catching myself when those thoughts start to happen and giving myself at least like two to three minutes to just bring myself back and remind myself, like having those affirmations of like, this doesn't like, this doesn't determine my worth. Um, this doesn't make me a failure. I, you know, like, I'm not going to be able to please everyone. Constructive criticism isn't a bad thing. It's actually very helpful. Um, so having those like affirmations that I tend to say to myself, especially in those moments where I start to to feel those people pleasing tendencies come on. Um, yeah, I would say that's like the most common one for me. Cause it's just the easiest for me to go off to a quiet place. Um, and just like say those things and have that like internal conversation with myself. What about yeah. you? I, I love that. I love the idea of like taking two or three minutes because I think like as humans, we're so quick to react to things, you know? And so like taking that time to just pause and like reset, I'm like, definitely going to take that from you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And that's actually like a, um, it's an actual therapy skill, um, that we utilize. It's actually when you start to find yourself fun fact, when you start to find yourself dysregulating. So like whether it's anxiety or you find yourself having like panic attack, like you start to feel it coming on. Um, if you take 90 seconds to step away from like those feelings or those emotions or give yourself 90 seconds, it takes 90 seconds before your body gets over that feeling of dysregulation. Um, so stepping aside and just like breathing for 90 seconds or doing something within that first 90 seconds of feeling that emotion is you're going to see the most success in actually being able to overcome that feeling or incorporate something, um, a skill that is helpful in navigating through it. So just a little fun fact. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay. I'm going to take that with me for sure. I feel like for me, what 
two things that have really helped me with any people pleasing tendencies is like, I always say this quote to myself. I don't even know who the quote is by. I should definitely know who it's by if I'm like saying it to myself all the time. But whenever I feel kind of, you know, criticism coming in, I always remind myself there's this quote that goes like, don't take criticism from somebody that you wouldn't take advice from. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely adore that quote because I think it's so true. Like, you know, I think there are times where, like you were saying, there's, there is criticism that can be like, um, uh, like what's the correct word you, it was just like, like constructive, good, helpful, yeah, constructive, mm -hmm. good, like helpful, um, not necessarily just mean criticism coming at you. Yeah. So, you know, of course there can sometimes be criticism that can be helpful and like lead you on your way, but also, if you're receiving criticism from somebody that you wouldn't take advice from, maybe you shouldn't let it like hit your heart in the way that you're letting it hit your heart. And I think the other thing that I've been working on is um, something I always joke around that like I start and end every sentence with the word sorry. Like I am so quick to apologize for anything I do. I don't even think like, well, was I really in the wrong? Or, you know, do, do I really need to like apologize. I, you know, my um, defense mechanism is just like, hands up. I'm so sorry. Like I, that was, you know, I apologize. And um, something I've been working on with my therapist is only saying sorry if I actually have something to be sorry for, you know, and it, it sounds so easy to say that, but when you really have to catch yourself sometimes of not just being like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, be like, Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hard to do that. But I try, I feel like those are my two kind of key things that I try to work on. Yeah. And I think the, the sorry thing is so important because like, even if you feel like it's not affecting you that much, like verbiage for us as humans is so important. So if we're constantly like saying, sorry, we're always going to feel like we did something wrong or that we have to apologize for any situation that maybe we feel uncomfortable in or someone else feels uncomfortable in. And I think, I love that your therapist kind of is having you do that where it's like only say sorry in situations where you feel like you truly are sorry. Um, because then it's not, it's, it's not perpetuating that idea within your head that you always have to be sorry for everything. Um, which is obviously going to like perpetuate the people pleasing tendencies, um, in a lot of different ways. So I, I love that. I think that's super helpful. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's always important to, I think even just throughout social media, you know, I feel like for me, you continue to learn more about yourself, like each and every day. And, the more you can learn about the self, your, about yourself, like the better human you can become and knowing your tendencies and knowing things that like may uh, be things that you have to work on. That's also something that I love in therapy is like my therapist is not just my cheerleader. She will tell me when I'm in the wrong, you know, mm -hmm. she will tell me when there's things that I could improve on. And I think that that's so important because we're all imperfect humans in some way. And we all have flaws and we all have things that we could continue to improve. And so I love that aspect. Yeah. I think it's super important. Yeah. yeah. So kind of going off of like going back to the, what I eat in a days in terms of you talking about you're an intuitive eater now, um, something that I'm sure you learned through your recovery. 
Um, I'm curious, like what advice would you give any listeners? Because this is a topic that comes up a lot in my community, also in therapy, like with my clients, um, individuals who are trying to give up like restriction, who are trying to really get out of toxic diet culture, um, and heal their relationship with food and heal their relationship with their body through intuitive eating, possibly, um, what advice would you give those people who are like just starting intuitive eating? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, if my, my top two pieces of advice is number one, if it is accessible to you, like, please pursue professional help. Like it is so, so worth it. And it really has helped so many people I feel like. And, um, you know, there's, there's no shame in getting professional help for anything that you may be going through or experiencing. And sometimes it's really beautiful to get professional help because it's kind of your safe space when you're going through that. And so, um, of course I know that that's not accessible to every single person though. Um, my second piece of advice truly with intuitive eating is to be patient and to give your body time to heal. I think, you know, for me, when I first started eating disorder recovery, I, um, trigger warning, but when I had my eating disorders, half of my hair fell out. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I started recovery, my ponytail was super, super small. And I was very, very insecure about the amount of hair I had. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I started recovery, I was like, my hair isn't back in two weeks. What's going on? Is recovery not working? You know? And it really took about a year and a half, two years for my full hair to come back. And, um, it's, it's so crazy how an eating disorder can change your life so much. Like when I was in eighth grade, my dad and my stepmom got married and I still remember when we were getting ready for the wedding, the hair and makeup um, person had to do my hair first because I had so much hair. It was going to take so long to style my hair. And then three or four years later, I had barely any hair, you know? So it's just, it's wild what, um, an eating disorder can do to your body. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like it's so important to be patient with your body and to remember that like, it's been through a lot and it's going to take a long time for it to heal. And that's okay. You just have to kind of like fight through those hard times where you wish that the recovery would come a little bit faster. And, um, I also think like, it's important to remember you're going to have ups and downs. Like we were talking about earlier, recovery is not linear. You're going to have great days. You're going to have really hard days. You're going to have okay days. And all of those are great in their own way, because I feel like the really great days get you through the hard days, you know, and like those moments where you feel unstoppable and you feel so beautiful and confident in your skin it makes you, when you're having a bad day, you, you remember that moment of how you did feel, you know? And so I think that's super important. And even within like bad body image days, my biggest tip of, like tip of advice is to just get outside and do something that will take your mind off of your body, whether that's going and walking to a coffee shop or calling your best friend and going and sitting out and getting some vitamin C and just sitting in the sun in a park, you know, just something that's going to get your mind off of things. Because I think sometimes when you detach how you're feeling about your body versus like, wow, this is like a great day. And I have the opportunity to make today great. It can be 
really, really empowering because so much of an eating disorder and body image issues and body confidence struggles and things like that is within our heads, you mm-hmm. know? And so being able to get out of that headspace is super, super, uh, beneficial. So. Yeah. Yeah. And something that, um, you have talked about like recently on TikTok is, you know, the changes that you've seen within your body from when you started recovery to when you were recovered and like now, like getting back into a regular routine of moving your body, um, which I think can be very common for people who are recovering is taking that time to possibly not have a regular workout routine because it can be very triggering to feel the pressure to move your body regularly. Um, and so I think I'm curious, I want to talk a little bit about this of like, there's that aspect of intuitive eating where people can feel a sense of fear to start intuitive eating because of the fear of weight gain. Um, Mm -hmm. they're afraid that they're going to gain weight through the process, um, which potentially will happen and more than likely will happen because you're, you're in a state of regularly eating and, and your body is starting to re-nourish itself and, and all of that. Um, so I'm curious if you would like to talk a little bit about that journey for you, where you, you did gain weight and now, you know, you're seeing changes in your body and how you're kind of navigating through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been, um, you know, I feel like I'm still, I'm still navigating it all, you know, and I'm, I'm trying my best to navigate it. And I think, you know, for me, when I first, um, started posting on TikTok, you know, as I mentioned, COVID had just hit. So, I wasn't really moving my body number one, because like you mentioned for me for a long time, movement was not healthy for me. You know, it really was something that I, that triggered me and that I had to be very cautious about what type of movement I did and how often I was moving my body because it was a level of trigger for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, then COVID hit and I, there was just, you know, all the gyms were closed, you know, we were inside of our houses. I just really wasn't moving my body very much. And I would go for a walk here and there, but that was about all the movement I did for two years was just casual walks every now and then. Mm -hmm. And it was great because walks were super fulfilling for me during that moment. Like I always did feel fulfilled. Um, but I kind of always tried to listen to what my body wanted in that moment. And for a long time, all my body wanted to do was just go on walks and listen Mm -hmm. to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then, um, at the beginning of this year, like I mentioned, I started therapy because I was kind of struggling a little bit with my mental space and just, trying not to feel, uh, overwhelmed with life a little bit. And I was feeling just more anxious than I kind of had in a long time. And I also think I'm turning 25 this year. So I've definitely been feeling with dealing with a lot of like, wow, that's a big number to turn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really want out of the next five years and five years, I'm going to be 30. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I'm turning 25. I thought I'd have a kid by now when I was, you know, 15, you know, it's just so wild how life happens. And so anyways, I was dealing with a bunch of different thoughts in January. And so that's why I started therapy and it was very helpful and it is still very helpful. 
but I still felt like I was missing something. I was still like, I feel like I could be doing better. I feel like my mental state could be better. And uh, I started running again. And that was just like the most beautiful release for my mental health, to be completely honest. And this sounds kind of sad, but for me, running is so empowering because I can put my headphones in, I can blast my music and I can kind of just shut out the world around me for a little bit, for 30 minutes, just not have to think about work, not have to think about that I haven't posted for the day yet, not have to worry about, you know, making sure I'm making enough time for my family and friends, you know, all the things that we think about as humans and that consume our thoughts. And so I started running and it started filling my soul a lot. And then I also started um, going to doing some like HIIT workouts. And uh, because of all of that, I'm moving my body a lot more than I ever have in the past two years. And so I've seen some body changes and um, I still remember it's kind of crazy, but I didn't even really, really realize that my body was changing um, until I started seeing comments on my TikTok videos of people call, you know, bringing it up. And I was like, is my body changing? You know, and I brought it up to my therapist and I was like, I, I feel great. I'm, I'm doing good, you know? And, um, we, you know, I work with my therapist and we talk about like my eating disorder recovery toolbox, like making sure that I'm using those skills and those tools that are my go-tos that, if I ever do feel moments of like thinking about like, oh my gosh, you know, why, why is my body changing so much going down that checklist and being like, yes, I am listening to my body. Like, yes, I am nourishing my body. Yes, I am moving my body because I want to, not because it feels forced or anything like that, you know, going through those checklists that kind of help me. And yeah, it's just kind of crazy that that happened though. That was really when I started to realize it. And there were so many comments that I was like, oh my goodness, I guess I should address this, you know? And when in reality, I, I haven't even feel like I've fully, I, I, like I said, I'm still navigating everything. And when mm -hmm. I did address it, I tried to express that, that I, I don't, I, this wasn't, I didn't mean for this to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy how life is with social media. I think it's so important to have friends that are creators and also have friends who aren't creators because you get different perspectives on both ends of things. And I had friends that were creators that were like, I totally understand. You know, I feel like I have to explain myself about everything and, you know, kind of give people an insight into what's going on in my life 24 seven. And then I also had friends who don't go on social media at all. And they were like, what, why did you feel like you had to talk about that or explain yourself. And so I'm just, like I said, I have a people pleasing tendency. And so I've been just trying to navigate everything. And I think my biggest thing and what I, what I have told my friends and family is I just want people in my community to know I'm okay, you know, yeah. and I want them to still feel safe with me and still, still feel comfortable with me because I think our society glamorizes weight loss a lot. And um, I posted this TikTok the other day of me getting ready for work. And I kind of almost had like a mental breakdown because I was really struggling to find an outfit that fit me. And a lot of people, trigger warning, but I feel like a lot of people who are on the diet culture side of our world would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like nothing in my clothes fits me. And I was literally almost in tears being like, nothing fits me. Like, what am I, 
am I doing something wrong? Like, what am I doing to my body that's making it change so much, you know? And so it, it really is a crazy thing to walk through in eating disorder recovery, I will definitely say. So that's my two cents. I feel like I just rambled so much. No, not at all. I think it's, I mean, what I'm hearing is like, our bodies are constantly changing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that is hard for a lot of people because we live in a society that is so like, be as small as you can, you know, do what you can to stay in a small body, do what you can to shrink yourself. Um, whether that means restricting or over-exercising, like that's the message that we receive from society. And especially as women, like, I feel like we're, we're told like our job is to just be small and attractive and quiet and submissive. And when you start to fight against that, it can feel really hard. Cause you're like, wait, this isn't, this is the opposite of what I've been told my whole life. Um, but I think when it comes to recovery and even if it's not eating disorder recovery, but just healing your relationship with food in general, um, if you've been in a, if an individual has been in a place where they've restricted for most of their life, or they've yo-yo dieted for most of their life, um, they're going to see a change in their body when they start to heal their relationship with food, whether that's weight gain or weight loss. It may be weight gain at first, and then they may see weight loss down the road, like when they start to move their body in a way that they enjoy. Um, And so I think kind of removing that pressure or that idea that healthy, well, one, that healthy looks a certain way, because we know that it doesn't. Um, me, for example, like I'm in a larger body than I've ever been in, but I'm also healthier than I've ever been, um, fully recovered from an eating disorder and have a great relationship with food and movement. Um, and also the idea that I know that my body could change any minute, like it doesn't, that a lot of that is out of our control. And I think the most important part is just making sure one, like you said, going through that checklist of like, am I, am I taking care of my body? Am I like, what is my reasoning behind this? Do I still have a healthy relationship with food? Am I overdoing it with exercise or movement? Um, and kind of having those little check-in questions I think can be really helpful. Um, but also just removing that like expectation that our bodies need to look a certain way all the time. Um, And that if we lose weight, we're doing it on purpose because that may not be the case at all. Um, If we gain weight that we're doing it on purpose, because that also may not be the case. So that's a really important conversation. Yeah. I feel like um, kind of going off of that, something that I think a lot of people have really resonated with is I have explained it just as, you know, I'm living in a smaller body, but maybe I will again, live in a larger body, you know, in a few months, you don't know what your body is going to do. And it's even things like your your climate has a lot to do with it. I live in um, Portland, Oregon, and we have about three to four nice months of the year in the summer. And then the rest of the the rest of the year, it's cold and it's rainy. And so when it's summertime, everyone is outside 24 seven, going for walks, going out on the boat, going for hikes, 
getting in that sunshine. So I'm always, my body is always more active in the summer. There's just so many different things that can go into how you choose to move your body um, and how often you choose to move your body and things like that. And I think people have, um, I think they've appreciated my, my honesty about it. And that I am still figuring it out and I'm trying to navigate it as best I can without triggering people. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier of accepting that I'm not going to be relatable to every single person and no content creator can be. And it's been really beautiful. Even there was moments where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I just, you know, my, my content has shifted a little bit, you know, I'm really, really into moving my body now and fitness at, at this time in my life. And, um, but then there's also been comments of like, oh my goodness, I'm finally at a safe place to move my body too. And it's so awesome to see you moving your body and it's inspiring me to continue to like intuitively exercise or intuitively move my body. And those are the comments now that really fill my soul because I'm like, yes, I'm still helping people, you know? So, um, but overall, if you do decide to put your life on social media, I think that's something that people have to remember is we see the change in others within our actual everyday lives, but people online expect their favorite creators to stay the exact same person and do the exact same things with their life forever. And that's not the case. When I started TikTok, I was still in college, you know, I, I, um, have my own home now, you know, I, I am fully in, into my career. Like there's just so many different things that change and your community has to just grow and change with you a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that watching that change can be like so beautiful. Um, and yeah. And I think, a lot of it is just going back to that idea that like health literally doesn't have a size and, and it can change for someone over and over and over again. Um, because you know, for someone, like we said, for someone who's starting recovery, like a good decision for them in that moment, maybe to not move their, their body regularly because it, feels triggering and, and they're navigating how to heal that relationship. Um, but through that healing, you know, you get to a year or two years down the road and a good decision for them is then re incorporating movement, joyful movement, movement that they enjoy doing that, that fuels them mentally and emotionally, not just physically. Um, and I think allowing yourself that space to do that and kind of just like go with the flow in terms of how our bodies are changing, um, and just, you know, really giving ourselves grace and love in every different stage of life and every different stage of our body, um, I think is the most important part of, of all of it is just, how are you showing yourself love? How are you fueling your mental health, your emotional health? Um, how are you, you know, continuing to prioritize self-care and all of these things? Those are like the really important questions that we should be asking ourselves, not necessarily the questions of like, okay, how is my body changing or how much weight am I losing or whatnot? Because a lot of that's out of our control. Um, yeah. And I think it's important for us to really focus on like what we can control and what really makes us feel genuinely ourselves 
Um, and as long as you're doing that and you're happy and you feel healthy and fulfilled, I feel like that's really the most important, the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's really fascinating how, you know, you can't really see, you can see physical changes on somebody's body, but you can't see mental changes within somebody's mental health journey. And, you know, I feel like before the beginning of this year, before I started showing up for myself in therapy and doing movement that helped my mental health, like I wasn't showing up for myself mentally before the beginning of this year. And I definitely was kind of pushing off my mental health and just being like, I have more important things to take care of and more important things to prioritize. But nobody could see that because nobody can see within your brain and can see within like your well-being and stuff like that. But people can look at your physical body and make and make, you know, like an assumption of how they think you're doing based off of your physical body. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's also been fascinating too, is like, I, I sometimes wonder if I would receive the amount of like comments regarding, you know, my body and things like that. If people could have seen what my mental health was like within my brain before the beginning of this year and what it's like now, you know? Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, I'm a deep thinker. I think about all these things. <laughs> yeah, always... and I love that. I think yeah. I think that is a shift that we are slowly making as a society is we I definitely think we are putting less priority on like physical health. I mean, like basing someone's health on their physical appearance. Um I think we're starting to realize that there are, there's more to health than just physical. Um that there is mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, like all of these different pillars that play a role in our health. Um which is is nice to see like it, that shift is kind of it's good to see that shift happening and it's kind of good to know it's nice to know that as a society or even a small part of our society not all of our society is making this shift but um that shift of like people actually asking you how are you like genuinely like how are you mentally how are you emotionally not just like oh you must have you know looking at your physical appearance and just assuming like oh you must have just like stopped caring um i feel like that used to be a huge thing and still occurs but i feel like the prioritization of mental and emotional health is becoming more prevalent um which is obviously amazing and so important yeah i agree i think it's so important i think i just I always advocate for people to do what is best for them, you know, like whatever make fills their cup, whatever fills their soul, whatever gets them out of bed in the morning and makes them want to, you know, live their life in the happiest way that they can and the most fulfilled way they can. That's what they should pursue. Whatever line of recovery works for them. You know, there's so many different forms of recovery you can go down and, um, there's a reason why there's 7 billion unique humans on this planet. We can't expect us all to be the same and all to react the same. That's even a lot of what we talk in recovery is recovery looks different for every single person. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many different facets within that. So, but I completely agree with that. So, yeah. And I think, I think that's a beautiful place to wrap up. I think it's such an important message to leave uh, the listeners with is that 
You are one of a kind. You are the only version of yourself in the entire world. And I think being able to really step into that, to really celebrate that, um, and to really try your best to, to not find yourself in that place of comparison, um, and trying to, you know, do what you can to look like someone else because you are you and you're the only version, like I said, and, and that's, I like to, to see that as like our superpower. Um, each one of us individually, there's no other Carly Compton out there. That is, that is like me. There's no other Brittany out there that is exactly like you. And I think that can be a really beautiful and empowering space to step into, um, in terms of just accepting and celebrating who we are as individuals. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And um, thank you again for having me on your podcast. I feel like this was so much fun and just like really fun to talk through so many different topics. And just, I love hearing people's perspectives and just, yeah, it's just fun to talk through topics that you're so passionate about. So thank you again for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Before we wrap up, do you mind sharing with listeners where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on um, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Brittany Lancaster. Um, and I spell my name with an I at the end. So it's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I. Um, so a little bit different spelling, but yeah, it's just Brittany Lancaster on all those platforms. Amazing. Thank you so much, Brittany. I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes. Um, and listeners, if this um, episode was something that you resonated with or related to, please feel free to leave a rating or a review. It means so much to me and this community. Um, but thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you at our next episode.